Hey listeners, it's Ryan from the Big Ed Idea Podcast. So I'm curious, are you as excited about these in-person conferences being back as I am? Have you heard about the 2022 Teach Better Conference this October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio? I definitely love my Teach Better family, so I am super excited to share a pretty cool opportunity for you to save $50 on tickets. Head over to www teachbetterconference.com forward slash register and use the code IDEA2022. Who knows? Maybe I will see you there. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Hello, hello, my Big Ed Idea listeners. Welcome back. Uh, This is episode two. Point one nine, and I'm super excited to finally get a gentleman on the podcast that we have tried. Um, his life is busy, my life is busy, but you know, the cool thing about life is we can be flexible, and so I'm super excited to welcome um, this guy, Jamie Brown. He is actually he's a member of the Road to Awesome crew. Um, many of you guys know Darren Peppard and, uh, let's see, Jillian Dubois and some of those other folks that are in the, the road to awesome crew. And so Jamie Brown comes to us from the beautiful, um, Hilton head, South Carolina area. He is a husband. He is a dad. He is a musician. And recently, as in like last week, hired high school AP at Bluffton High School in Beaufort County, South Carolina. Um, So without further ado, Jamie, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Ryan, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Glad to meet you. I'm excited to uh, talk education. Like I said, I know we've been trying to connect for a while and uh, appreciate everything you've been doing, what you've been up to on social and uh, what this podcast stands for. So I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So um, I, you know, today I was uh, in my office. I'm actually in my office right now, my new office, and I was unpacking my books. And one of the first books that I came across was the book Tribes by Seth Godin. And uh, I read that at the very, very beginning of COVID. And one of the premises is you just got to find your people and surround yourself with my people. And so it's really cool to uh, have you, Jamie, because I definitely think you are one of my people. Um, it's, it, it's nice to have you here on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And so um, one of the first things that I always try to model for all of the listeners is just that uh, sincere belief in connections before content. And so we, uh, before we get to your idea, your Big Ed idea, we want to find out who Jamie Brown really is. And so I've got... Um, two sections, two segments that we're going to walk through. And by the time we're done with these, people are going to know all about you. And then we're going to be ready to transition into the meat of the episode. Sounds good. 
<laughs> All right, man. So my first one is uh, what's up at the Scott house. And, and I'm just going to, I'm going to go through it and I'm going to show, tell you what my three words are. And so these three words are meant to describe what is going on right now at my house. Um, and so number one, COVID number two, church camp, number three, dead grass, uh, number one, COVID. Okay. So as life uh, happens and never works out the way you wanted. My my wife came down with COVID uh, five days ago, and so Ryan has been the single dad of three children. My fourth one, she's nineteen, so she's self sufficient. But I have been the single dad for the last five days, and I am so happy for her to be coming back out of quarantine. Um, my second word, church camp. So my family and I, actually, I have been going to the same church camp for 25 years, and my girls have been going also the last 10. And so we leave on Sunday, and we are super excited to spend a week at Santa Claus United Methodist Church Campground in beautiful Santa Claus, Indiana. And if you've never heard of it, Google it, because it is a place. And then my last word is dead grass. Um, for someone that relies on my lawnmower to give me those awesome ideas, um, our grass is dead. Like it hasn't rained in several weeks. The grass looks horrible. And so I haven't been able to pull the skag out of the uh, barn. And so my grass is dead. My ideas are, are, are drying up. So <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I've got. Um, Mr. J Mr. Jamie, what is going on at the Brown House? Sure. Uh, I'm going to say uh, risk will be number one because <laughs> I finally have given in to my daughter who's turning eight um, on the 20th. She's been asking for a puppy for a long time. So we just got a uh, burn a doodle Ooh. last Friday. So hopefully risk equals reward. So she's been good so far, but it is a major undertaking. So um, already I can see dad's a little bit um, overwhelmed and going to be taking the morning shifts. So is dad uh, a pushover? Yes. 100%. <laughs> I got my two girls in the house. I got my wife and my daughter and myself. So I'm outnumbered here and, uh, you know, I'm definitely not calling the shots, but it's all good. Um, she's been great. She deserves it. So, um, it's become my little buddy at night when I'm writing, uh, through my manuscript and, you know, doing things on social. So I got a little partner in crime now, so I'm actually okay with it. Um, I'd say nerves would probably be number two, uh, as I was mentioning, uh, just like yourself, starting a new school district. Um, it's just, uh, something I've been looking forward to. I'm excited. I'm finally literally just got through the process of landing it. Um, solidifying everything. I got orientation tomorrow morning. So right I'm excited. On, right on. Yeah, I'm excited to meet my new staff, my new team, my new bosses. Um, and just, you know, show them, show them what I can bring to the table and, and hopefully move that needle for uh, a new group of students that I've never met before. And I'm just really, really excited about that. Um, so it's good nerves. Um, and then I'd probably say change. Um, you know, I'm a big, big person who believes in, in change as a, as a good thing um, and embracing adversity. You know, we were talking a little bit about COVID. You know, that's all that the last couple of years have been. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been a beach bum from Jersey my whole entire life. So is my wife. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, during COVID, 
We, uh, I was a high school vice principal back home. I've been a New Jersey educator for over 20 years there. And when things finally slowed down, living right outside of New York City, you know, we said this might be a, a good lifestyle to embrace here. Um, we had been coming down to uh, South Carolina to visit family here and there for Thanksgivings. And uh, we hadn't been there since COVID. And we just decided to just take the shot, embrace change, sold everything, moved on a whim. Leap and, of faith. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and I'll tell you, I, I would absolutely recommend it to anybody who's in that position, you know, whether it's a career in education, going from the classroom to administration, administration to district level, whatever the case may be, or just in life. If it messes up, it doesn't work out. It's a learning experience. And I've, I've always lived that way. And this has been an incredible move. You know, we're right outside of Hilton Head, about 10 minutes away. So in Beaufort County, it's just beautiful. And slow living's for me. The cooking's good. So I'm putting on a few pounds. So I got I to gotta work on that. <laughs> you know, get, get that COVID weight off. It's just adding to it. But uh, it's been great. So, I mean, those would be my three words. Um, stressful words, but... Uh, all have been amazing, you know, just a, just a great time to just be on a new adventure on so many different levels. Man, that's really cool. And and I'm really uh, jealous of you because um, as I've talked about on the show before, I bartended for about five years going through school and uh, I've, I've always wanted to just sell everything, move to the beach and open up a little tiki bar, you know? And so like you have given me inspiration. And so I'm going to go home and ask my wife. I doubt she'll say yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, thank you for that. Yes, sir. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so this next segment is called Two for Two because uh, I've just got two just random getting to know you questions, mm -hmm. and then you'll flip them back at me. Sure. Um, so I know you're an artist. I know you're a band guy, music guy, and, and I am too. So I'm very, very curious. What band or artist you cannot get enough of recently? enough of recently would definitely be uh probably chris stapleton okay moving, yeah moving down south i wasn't i wasn't a big country guy um i was back home in jersey shore uh it's just like i had a reggae band it was, yeah. that was the vibe you know that beach vibe happy hour big bruce fan huge bruce fan um jimmy buffett and then coming here and playing the scene you know playing playing the island scene if you don't know country, <laughs> don't have to work. So uh, my wife's a, a big country fan. She loves Morgan Wallen, so I've been getting into him a little bit too. But uh, Chris Stapleton definitely for sure is, is on constant rotation and uh, probably Luke Combs too. Okay, okay. So mine, um, so Kendrick Lamar's new album dropped a couple weeks ago and I have been playing the, I mean, obviously it's not a CD anymore, but I've been playing <laughs> the fire out of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a good one. All right, now we're going to go a little bit harder. Okay. So I'm I'm going to ask you the question, and then I'm going to give you my answer first, uh, okay. just because it's it's a little it's a little weird. A decision that, um, a a decision that you made that could have led you somewhere totally different. Okay, and so my answer to that is, um, when I was about let's see, I was 22, 22. I flew out to Olympia, Washington, and I was going to change my major to sustainable architecture and Native American studies and went out there for a week to Evergreen State College, 
stayed out there for a week for a week. It rained the whole time. Um, that was a sign for me that I did not want to be out there. So I moved back home. And then about three months later, yeah, about three months later, I found out I was going to be a dad. And so if I had moved to Washington State, definitely the dominoes would not have fallen the way they did. So, wow. yeah. Wow. That's crazy, right? It's crazy to look back and think about it and talk about it. It's scary, yeah. Sure. So for me, uh, definitely the first thing that comes to mind, I was about 23 or 24. I was in my second or third year of teaching. Uh, I was a high school English teacher to start in a high school of about 3,500 students. I had um, all seniors. I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, I, I was struggling big time um, playing, playing gigs at night all the time. And I hooked up with an agent um, on the Jersey Shore, just a mm -hmm. random random event I was playing, love my stuff, and uh, offered me to come out to Vegas and be a resident act um, on the strip. I was young. I was naive. I had no idea what I was doing. And the only reason I said no, to be honest with you, is that I was just too scared because I didn't <laughs> know if I could survive Vegas by myself. And that was never a thought to, you know, become a professional musician. But, you know, he was talking record deals, everything else, the whole nine um, as possibilities. But I, for whatever reason, I said no. And I know if I would have gone and done it, even if it failed, I probably would have never, um, you know, just in terms of professionalism, never became a full-time educator and had the experiences professionally that I've had and ended up in this moment right now trying to achieve what I'm what I'm looking to do. So that was definitely a monster, monster event where, you know, a lot of people want to tell it, even the students, they're like, Oh, do you regret it? And like, absolutely not. You know, I wouldn't have met, wouldn't right. have met my wife, wouldn't have had my daughter. And, you know, that's just if that, if that helped make that happen and it was the best decision of my life. So. Absolutely. And that's a perfect, perfect, perfect segue um, into this next Next part, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that God puts you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. Um, definitely, I, I definitely would not have found the classroom at 27 if it hadn't have had some crazy things happen along the way. Um, so I'm super curious, and I'm sure the, the listeners are, how did Jamie find education? <laughs> so I was... I was actually sleeping on my buddy's couch after I graduated. I graduated in May of 2001 and a uh, small school in Maryland had about 1200 kids. Mount St. Mary's loved it. Best, best university ever. And uh, I wanted to be a music journalist. I wanted to work for Rolling Stone. It yeah, was the yeah. same time when the movie almost famous had come out. Right. That's, that was my dream. I wanted to do that. I wanted to travel the world and, you know, be a writer. That's just what I love to do. Um, a friend of mine who graduated a year prior ended up getting a job at Rolling Stone and said, you know, when you're done, we'll get you an interview. Even if you're just sorting mail, I said, I don't care. I'll take the garbage out. It's what I want to do. <laughs> um, long story short, in August of 01, I got, um, she hooked me up, got me an interview. Uh, there was about 15 of us in the room. I didn't even know what we were interviewing for. And uh, I mean, I just remember you walk down this, you're, you know, you're out by like, it took, 56 and six out by radio city music hall and you're overlooking you're about 70 floors up and you're looking at the entire skyline it's just gorgeous and you go down this hallway and it's every single rolling stone record cover just framed oh, from wow. so it was just breathtaking it was just amazing and uh you just sat in this room that was about 
half size of a basketball court and there was just two chairs and they interview you. And I mean, I don't even know what they asked me. They just asked me something about what do I know about the magazine? I just started spewing, you know, I remember back, you know, Word vomit. Yeah. It was the only, it was the only, like, I used to have like the subscription to the magazine, which no one does anymore. Right. Yeah, right. That in sports illustrated. And uh, I remember getting a call back about three weeks later and they told me, you know, after, uh, after Labor Day weekend, we're going to do, you know, the, the final round is going to be you and three other people. September 11th happened and oh. uh, changed everything, everything. I mean, like I said, we were about 30, 40, 40 minutes outside of World Trade where we lived. So you know, a lot of friends and family that, you know, were working in the city, friends of mine, my roommate graduated college. He was working on the stock exchange. Just crazy, crazy, you know, moment, obviously, not to get into all of it, but because of that moment, you know, Rolling Stone didn't hire anyone. You know, the city was just off wow. limit. And, uh, you know, basically, in Jersey, you didn't, or in the city, you didn't want to be there. And you were scared to be. So I ended up, you know, my whole family are educators. So they were like, well, you got to do something. <laughs> so I started substitute teaching at my old high school, my uncle's uh, middle school. I was terrible, but... I was like, all right, you know, they gave me we the were whole, all terrible in the beginning. Yeah, you know, you get the whole spiel of, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It's like summer's off and you get benefits. And I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I could so I went into it and, you know, that that's my connection to, you know, September 11th and how it, it directly affected just me personally, just coming out of college. It, it somehow landed me into education. And that's really how I got into it. Um, just trying to make ends meet. It was the only thing that I didn't want to do because I love being the black sheep of the family, so to speak. And, uh, and here I am, you know, 20 You're doing what, what everybody did. 100%. So yeah. great for that too. Man, that's, that's a crazy story. So I've heard a lot of, yeah, I, I've heard a lot of re, you know, different reasons for going into education. That one by far like shakes me the most just because I still have profound feelings. I mean, I was living what, two days, a day and a half drive away from that. But I yeah. still, to this day, cannot watch any of the footage from that day just because I remember that feeling and stuff. And so for that event to fundamentally shape your direction, wow, that's crazy to me. Pretty wild. It, it was, you know, and like I said, it just living so close to it, even, you know, when I took the, I got a job, I got hired um, in Oldbridge uh, School Districts, which is, next to Rutgers in New Brunswick area, which is, again, we're about 35, 40 minutes, but you can drive about seven, eight miles from our school and see across the, the waterline. So even when I first started, you could still see, you know, smoke and everything else. And then people who were in school when it happened, you know, obviously they were witnessing it and living it firsthand. It's, it's uh, crazy, you know? So, you know, I started education in post 9-11, which is a different world. And, you know, I think about the pandemic, you know, I kind of jumped into like full-time administration sure. 12 months out of the year, uh, you know, five months before the pandemic hit. So it just, it, it brings back a little bit of memories, and, you know, it just it becomes part of my theme of, of, you know, what I want to do here in South Carolina is just help, you know, students and, and administrators of all kinds here, you know, really embrace and become allies to adversity. I think it's, it's huge into, you know, evolving and, and walking away. I saw a post you had on social the other day 
talking about, you know, the, the, the worst tagline that the worst tattoo you could have, so to speak, is this is how we've always done it. And I've seen that I've lived that. And, and it's, that is just, you know, it handcuffs you and cripples you. So I'm, I'm looking to help change that mantra when I see that for sure. So I appreciated that quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So you're like, literally your foundations of a teacher was built on struggle Mm -hmm. adversity you know um and then like you said now you know you jumped into administration during covid mm -hmm. i get it i jumped into the high school world during covid um so before we jump into what your big idea is talk to us about what you see as the problem first so what is that problem that your idea kind of helps to tackle uh, my problem uh my idea looking to tackle surrounds around the problem of out of this pandemic the the buzzword the angst the the panic button that's been hit in my opinion is this now need to um notice the importance of social emotional care and well-being to go a step further now, I don't even think it happened year one of COVID. I think that just is coming around this past 12 months where you're starting to sprinkle and realize it's not just students, it's also educators. And I think the human aspect of this field in particular has only focused, at least, you know, in print and social, you know, that kind of thing, even in conversations around students, which makes sense. Obviously, it's why we do education and students come first. But I think the problem is, is that we're realizing now that we've neglected when I say we, I'll just speak in education in general, you know, the importance and the necessity to focus on building authentic and general personal authentic relationships in order to move the needle, move the success the way it needs to. And it has to come in that order. And I think that we're seeing a lot of you know, schools, a lot of districts, a lot of educators, a lot of states, everybody just, you know, looking for that quick fix answer to say we have it on the district plan or we have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, yes, that assembly, so to speak. It always reminds me, um, you know, what I did in New Jersey for over 15 years was I ran a peer leadership group for seniors in high school, um, student, student um, leadership kids. And you know, it turned into a district-wide program. And then the district that was at Oldbridge uh, Public Schools, I can't say enough about that administration and, and what they did for me, you know, both professionally and personally. Um, they they believed in that before it was a thing. You know, I mean, almost 10 years ago now, we started focusing on how do we, you know, fix all the issues in our school, you know, raise the GPAs to, you know, get rid of chronic absenteeism, cuts, insubordination, fights, discipline, et cetera. And instead of trying to find a quick fix, we just really kind of flip the script and change the narrative and then use the students' voices to focus on, you know, just respect and empathy and compassion. And it wasn't a curriculum. It wasn't a, you know, a Scantron. It wasn't yeah, an yeah. assembly. It was just the lifestyle that we took on. And, you know, we went from just being, you know, a typical run of the mill high school, so to speak, and even district to a state and national high school of character, you know, and district of character. And, and when I was a part of that back in 20, 
it was a three-year process. We ended up getting the accreditation in 2015. It showed me, again, this is pre-COVID, um, you know, what more there was to education. And that was a moment for me personally where I said, all right, I want to jump to administration full-time because I want to have a bigger impact on how to make the impact on the kids. And my problem is, is that I think we kind of skip over the educators. Like sure. we don't teach the ones who are supposed to teach. Right. And we assume they're okay. You know, and again, it's not just teachers, it's sports staff, it's transportation, nurses, librarians, secretaries, principals, APs, counselors, even superintendents. And I think we're starting to talk about that. Um, but that is definitely where I guess for me, the problem is, is twofold is like, Hey, why did it take so long? And like, if you weren't thinking about that before, what were you doing in your school? Right. right. <laughs> you know, um, and just be just, I don't want it to be, you know, a quick fix. And, you know, just like everything else, you know, you talk about, you know, these tumultuous times that have happened in, in society and history, you know, it's in the moment, you see what happens. I always say that the the nicest day was September 12th to see how patriotic and how together the world was, right? There was no differences, at least for a day where everyone was just together. And eventually it just kind of, everyone just goes back to normal. And I, you know, that'll happen with the pandemic as well, right? If it eventually Let's ends. Let's not go back to normal. Right. And there is no more normal, right? Like what is normal? But right. I guess that's my fear is that if this surpasses in education, will we just make SEL and building relationships just a taboo conversation? And when it's not mandated anymore, will we just move away from it again and act like it's not important? Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of things there to reflect on. First off, um, I think you're totally right as far as, uh, you know, a lot of the focus was shined on our kids um, in the moment. Um, cause you know, you think about, you know, triaging, you triage the people that were most hurt the most. And, and, and I get that, you know, a lot of our kids were at home doing it by themselves. So, you know, we focused on them. Um, but during an exit interview with my past superintendent, I, I, I let her know that I thought we didn't focus on our adults enough, um, for that very reason. And I don't think, I don't think anybody really even understood how much the adults were hurting through all of this stuff. And, you know, I don't know what it's like out there, but my last high school, um, we had a slew of people resign this year. Um, teachers, administrators, I mean, all the way up and down the, the hierarchy, people were leaving. And, uh, you know, a lot of them were just stressed out, burned out. And, and I agree, if we don't start taking care of our people a little bit more, um, you know, we already have a major teacher shortage and if we don't change them, some things, um, we're not going to have the educators to do all that SEL stuff that we need to. So that's my first one. Second thing. Yeah, I do not this, I do not want this to be another one of those pendulum education pendulum things that, you know, in the seventies phonics was huge. And then, some hippie person came out and said, no, whole language. And now we're going back to phonics. Let's not do that. Like right. social and emotional learning, huge and hugely important. And if we take away its importance, we're never going to, to close the achievement gap, in my opinion. And so, yes, I completely agree. So if that is our problem, we don't want this stuff swinging back. 
Jamie, talk to talk to us about what your uh, big ed idea is. Sure. I just think for me, you know, what I've been trying to do and, and, you know, part of the reason why I moved, you know, made the jump professionally from one state to another was I wanted to I want to help create what I call a whole teacher. You know, I think when we talk about whole child, for me, I've got this three pronged approach that I'm trying to bring to the table where it's whole teacher. If we can create the whole teacher, now we have the opportunity to develop the whole child. And then I think once you get both of those working, and I've seen it, like I said, in my previous districts, you create the whole community oh, I and like that. idea. And I, and I think that if we go in that order, you'll see less of a teacher shortage. You will see less of the inability to handle, you know, not what has been created by the pandemic when we talk about mental health issues. They've always been there. The pandemic just put a magnifying glass and yeah, amplified voice of it. Absolutely. You know, if there's a silver lining, maybe that is it, right? So now we're paying attention, you know, across the board. Um, and what I want to do is just focus on that. I want to help schools, administrators, districts focus on developing the whole teacher. And it's not their fault if they don't know how, right? Yeah. Because not something that we've ever done, right? We've done PD for everything. And we do team building and we do those, you know, I get a lot of, I see it online now, you know, these requests of, hey, I need some team building exercises <laughs> for the first week of school. And it's like, I know when I see that text, a lot of those nine out of 10, it's like, I'm going to do it that first day before the school year and you're never doing it again. Yep. Don't have time. So I can, so that's, that's my big ed idea is to make that go away. And I feel that, um, you know, what I was fortunate enough to be asked to do and afforded the ability to do um, for almost 20 years in developing that system um, prior to this becoming something, I really do think that I could help schools and, and help at least make this big an idea something that's accepted um, universally you know, on different levels, however it will work for a school, because I think, you know, when we talk about teacher shortage, yes, in South Carolina, um, it is, it is enormous compared mm -hmm. to what came from New Jersey. Um, it is a massive struggle, you know, and you're seeing schools that, um, you know, not only, you know, have the, uh, route teachers, international teachers, you see, you know, teachers transferring from school district, school district, as I'm doing myself, you know, you're also seeing situations, not just in South Carolina, but in the states where, you know, they, they're going to virtual learning while the students are in, you know, paying companies to just have a teacher on a screen from somewhere in the world teaching their kids. And, you know, how do we get away from that? How do we help bring the, the, the educators back and motivated? And I think there's there's nowhere else you can start besides pay, probably, um, than letting them feel heard, seen and celebrated you know i i've had a teacher recently um you know in a conversation i was working with the school and then talking with them and we were just in conversation and i said you know just tell me your best moment this year and she said just being able to have a sixth grade dance this year was just pretty awesome for the first time seeing it in school and i said how'd that make you feel for you i said forget the kids how'd that make you feel you know just bantering back and forth and she was like it just made me feel good it made me feel like i was giving something to a child that I couldn't give them for two years. Yep. 
And conversation ended and before we hung up, you know, she said, I just wanted to say thank you for just asking that question. No one's asked me a question like that where it was just about me. It wasn't about grades, achievement, you know, did I do this for, you know, my boss? It was just like you wanted to genuinely know how I how I felt. And she's like, I wish I had more of that. And it to me, it just it just justifies, you know, my thought, I feel, you know, if we can just focus on being genuine you know it's not just doing things and giving free coffee and you know food in the cafeteria or the faculty room yes that stuff's nice too but it's 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 got to be every day and and you got to be visible you got to be you know just just ferocious in your approach to truly caring about your team no matter what role you play as a principal as an ap as a counselor even just as a classroom teacher still supporting your colleagues but if that can happen, I, I really think that, you know, five years from now, the pandemic for education purposes could have a silver lining and that right. it really helped us redefine something that is archaic, and yeah. Yeah. way too traditional in a lot of ways. And it's not, you know, hitting not only the modern student, but the modern teacher. All right. So, okay. So, so what I heard is three strategies to help um, us create the whole teacher heard, seen, and celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie, if you don't mind, give us maybe one or two, um, you know, so like I listen today, I go into my building tomorrow. What can I do to make sure they're heard? What can I do seen? What can I do celebrated? Um, so yeah, give us some of those examples. Sure. When you talk about herd, you know, you have opportunities. Um, you know, I was at a district level, uh, Jasper County in South Carolina and, and working in HR, which I'd never done. And, and awesome, awesome crew. My boss was just incredible. The team was incredible. And collectively, we came up with this concept of how do we get the teachers voices to be heard? And we just did it, uh, what we called, you know, fireside chats. So we were able to do it twice. We wanted to do it more, but, you know, it's time is time, you know, and we're just one, one group. But we went into the buildings. There was two elementary schools, a middle school and a high school. And what we did was we mapped out working with the leadership team of each building alongside our superintendent. Um, time that was convenient, not for just the principals, but for the teachers sure. where we didn't go away their breaks, where we didn't take, uh, you know, right. pull them something that they were going to have to make up later. And we just put them in the room with us and we did it by departments. It was just easier that way. We had, you know, the elementaries have their teams by grade, et cetera. And we gave, and we did that for two reasons. One, it was obviously for scheduling was great, but for me, that was more important. That was important because a lot of the times, even though we teach, you know, say you and I, or I taught English at the high school, we're so busy we don't see each other and just having them in the same room Those silos. Yeah. Like breaking that silo down was just, you know, and, and we heard that a lot, like right. oh, man, it's been so long and it's like you teach three doors down. So I think it served two great purposes in terms of being heard a um, and seen, you know, it gave each other in the departments and the teams a chance to be seen by one another. It gave us an opportunity to be seen as, district administrators where sometimes it's like, oh, they, they're in the, the big house. And you know, they, yeah. we broke down that, that stereotype and that, you know, that, that false premise and made us, you know, human in their eyes. But in terms of being heard, we had no agenda other than, you know, 
Tell us what's working. Tell us what's not. Tell us what you need. Tell us what we can do. But we started all of those conversations with how are you? You know, what 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 are, what are you feeling right now? Yeah. What can, and it had and it wasn't, and we prefaced it with this conversation. Yes, it's about education, it's about school, but it's just as much about you personally. And right. we, we emphasize that with the principals to let them know we want to make sure that we're helping you guys support the whole teacher. And we really developed that phrase and, and it was genuine and it was sincere. And, and I was fortunate enough to be in part of it, um, the mentoring program for all our new teachers. And I took that approach as well. So it, it kind of is a heard and seen together. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the heard piece, I, I would definitely recommend fireside chats, make that a part of a PLC or a PD day. Um, take it and amplify it a step further when they get to be with each other what I did in my former districts, then we would do a team building day where I would have my student peer leaders help me facilitate team and relationship building exercises. And we would create families where it was one person from each department in the family. So it'd be one history teacher, one English teacher, one math teacher, one science, et cetera. And you have a team of 10 adults who have maybe taught together, some of them for 30 years and never spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah, absolutely. So a scene and heard in that way is almost like you don't even have to be the the um, the herd piece. Sure. So almost create that through PLCs and PD. But the big consistency thing that I heard all year, just in this example, my, my district I was just working with, is that this needs to be more than just once. Because if it is, I'm out sure. or I'm not participating. And there was still the skepticism, right? You always see because it's like, are you just doing this for show? You know, but the main thing was, um, you know, the celebrated piece, I think. And again, I just I'll just stay on this example because this was very powerful in this previous district was the follow through. So the celebration piece was making sure that our team and the district and the principals, et cetera, with the information we got, we wanted to celebrate our staff by honoring their requests, working to get them, you know, more free time um, going into their classrooms when, all right, you know, these teachers that mentioned that they do this every year and no one comes in. So we wanted to go into those rooms and make sure we go in and celebrate, not just them, but the kids too. Lessons, not just when I have to observe them. Um, And also just recognizing them. I think when it comes to the celebration piece overall, no matter what role you play, I think utilizing social is enormous because that's where my whole community piece comes in is when you get to the level of whole teacher, whole child, if you can let the in and be a part of the celebration, you know, and you shout out teachers, you shout out support staff, you shout out classes, clubs, not just the sports scores, you know, I think that's just an easy way. It's free. It's just time. And I think that teachers appreciate it and the parents appreciate it because there's buy-in there because it's like, all right, even to make a post could take 10 minutes, right? If you're taking that 10 minutes out of your day to, to celebrate someone else, I think that goes a long way. So I think in the, the hear, see, celebrate piece, if, if you do that with your staff and your team, you're modeling again, how, the teachers and how the support staff, how your admin in the building can do that in their classrooms for the students and in the hallways. Like I know when I walk in a building, I know in five minutes what the culture is like. Yeah. And the 
uh, by just the main entrance. Who's greeting me? Is my name on the billboard outside kind of thing? Is there, you know, are you celebrating everybody that has come through the pride of, of carrying that banner in the hallways? Like it should look like a, a yearbook come to life, so to speak. That's how I, that's how I envision it, you know? So that's getting later on into the process, but I, I think just taking those three words and looking at how you as a school, you know, if someone were to hear this, aren't doing that and how could you you know i think that's an easy way to do it is just utilizing those pd days to just take off on a moment and be human you know in in the approach you know when you get to large scale my district once we got past those two waves the third thing we did was we just started creating um friendly competitions by putting out you know google forms on you know what are you good at so like i remember one pd day it was just every room you just went around the whole day for for four hours and got to celebrate your colleagues by seeing their talents so i i was <laughs> playing guitar and singing when everybody walked in then you went into the cafeteria and we found out there was like 30 teachers who were just crazy, amazing, like chefs, whether it was like smoking, like barbecue or making pastries. And we got to sample like wings and all this stuff. Oh, that's cool. It was a great painter. One was awesome at, you know, fixing cars. So he was working in auto shop with the auto shop teacher. And it was just, I mean, that was, that was like the moment where I was like, this is the best place to work. And this is amazing. That but is cool get to that level i think it's baby steps you know to get back to the beginning of this conversation everybody's trying to find like the answer like online or in a curriculum or a book i can buy and put in a classroom like you don't need to spend any money just be you be human be kind be authentic and like make that portrayal you know, real to your, to your team and they'll buy in little by little, even the ones who, you know, in the building who will be so skeptical and think it's just for show. You start little. I remember when I started, you know, my high school VP and I'm about to do the same thing next week when I started my new school, I'm just visible. I want everyone to see me. I, you could take my desk and throw it out. I don't need it. I'm That's not going right. to answer emails at night. I can make phone calls after school on my way home, driving home. I want to be in the hallways. You'll see me on the bus line and the car line, greeting parents, saying hello, welcoming the teachers, lunchroom. Even if it was my prep period, be in there saying hi, what's up to the kids. You catch them outside of the classroom, do the same for teachers. And you'll, you'll model, you know, your expectation and your vision without having to make it a mandate, in, you know, in a faculty meeting. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. So this whole idea of, creating your whole teacher to develop the whole child. I love that because yeah, definitely. We see our teachers as human beings first and teachers second. I think all of this stuff kind of comes easily. Um, to me, we, we kind of get off the rails when we, when we, uh, I hate to say this, when we put the pedagogy first when we put the content first, that's, that's where I see us going, uh, down the wrong track. But, um, no, I definitely believe in this, man. I uh, One of my mottos I live my life by is uh, feed the positive dog daily. And while I am not a trickle-down economics type of person, I do believe that trickle-down uh, positivity works, uh, especially as, you know, as the principal now. I'm going to be the most positive person in this entire building, um, and I know it will trickle down. So, Jamie, I just want to tell you thank you because I know – uh, to my listeners out there, Jamie's got a gig that he's got to get to. 
Um, he's going to be playing on the beach and probably some sandals or something. But uh, I want to tell Jamie, uh, Jamie, I want to tell you, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and, and speaking to a subject that I really agree with. And so uh, just thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, too. I, like I said, Ryan, I'm more than appreciative of this opportunity. I love being connected to, to great people. And I hope, you know, this uh, this new connection, new friendship goes well beyond just this podcast, my brother. Absolutely, man. I'm always looking for a place to stay out in Myrtle Beach. So it was always open. <laughs> hey, and, and there was a time where I uh, couch surfed as well, where I didn't really have much of a home. So I just went from place to place. So, mm-hmm. hey, if I could couch surf out in Myrtle Beach, I'm down. Doors always open. No shoes, no shirt, no problem. Right on, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, Jamie, talk to us real quick. Um, so folks have heard a little bit about this stuff, and I know you're working on a manuscript. So talk to us, number one, how we can get it connected with you and, you know, give us a pitch on this book. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the website is, you know, where it has all my social, but I'll start there. So it's Jamie Brown Leadership, J-A-M-I-E, Jamie Brown Leadership. Dot com that has all my social links shows you you know what I can offer a school um, you know from talking assemblies etc you can see where I'm at where I'll be speaking I'll be at Jocelyn's, uh Renaissance Global Conference July 18th 20 down in Orlando presenting on um, you know one of my projects except University which talks about you know middle and high school kids transitioning from elementary to middle middle to high school and just being an inclusive culture and climate. Um, you can catch me on Twitter, leadership underscore JB and Instagram, Facebook, Jamie Brown leadership, same thing with my YouTube page, Jamie Brown leadership. And, uh, you know, the most exciting thing I got going and it should be, uh, ready to get reviewed, uh, sometime in the next three to four weeks, hoping definitely by end of summer, it will be done and just waiting to go to print. Uh, it is untitled, my manuscript, but my book's thesis is pretty much what we talked about, you know, in, in this in this podcast today, talking about how to develop a school culture and climate that is built on inclusivity, acceptance, respect, tolerance, where, you know, the only word that matters most is empathy, um, nice. you know, across the board to build that whole teacher, whole child, whole community. I hope you all check it out when it's ready to roll. Absolutely, man. I, I would definitely say our world, our country definitely needs a little more empathy. Um, so yeah, let's let's focus on that whole teacher and we can get that whole child and then it can spill out into that whole community. So uh, Jamie, thank you very much for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast today. Um, you are now a member of my tribe and uh, do not be a stranger. Amen. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. And to my Big Ed Idea listeners, thank you once again for giving us your gift of time. Um, if you have a big idea that you'd like to come on and you'd like to talk about, please reach out to me at Ryan C. Scott 1981 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Insta at Ryan C. Scott 1981. You can find my website at ryanscotted.com. Um, but other than that, it has been wonderful. And like my uh, Grandpa Big John Janoski used to always say, he would say, Ryan, until next time, I will see you in the hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. 
My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.